are some intangibles that those projections failed to take into consideration. The crowd was going crazy. There's not much in life that's better than that. You're listening to Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys on the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. Hello there. Welcome back to the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Sam Lubman here, as always, with Joe the Butcher Boy Shasky for episode 74. 74, Shasky, that's the number of times Juan Soto has gone deep against the Giants this year, or, or at least that's just what it feels like. He's got a 1476 OPS against the Giants this year, which is by far his highest first any team he has faced at least 30 times this year. His six home runs are the most first any team this year. Uh, he's got nine walks drawn. Only the Nationals have walked him more. Juan Soto has absolutely owned the Giants this year, and he continued to do it again this weekend as the Giants took three of as the Padres took three of four from the Giants down in San Diego. And uh, man, just when you thought the Padres season was lost, the the Giants come to town and get them back on track. Oh my goodness! I mean, I'm not gonna lie to you, dude. Watching Juan Soto go opposite field, off the wall, over the fence. It's just, the guy's got such a beautiful swing. Woulda, coulda, shoulda, man. Yeah, that's uh, the Ted Williams comps make a little bit more sense when he plays against the Giants, right? Seriously. (laughs) Well, here's the thing, though. He's got a 348 BABIP uh, against the Giants so far, which means he's definitely due for some regression at some point this year. So don't worry, Giants fans. He's going to come back down to earth at some point. But it's just frustrating because, yeah, every time Juan Soto sees the Giants uniform, he just he goes into full on hitter mode, and uh, you really wish that the Giants hitters would go on to full on hitter mode when they saw the Giants uniform, but it's just not happening. And then I want to kind of start off with there is just the, the Giants offense is just it's hitting levels of bleakness that we really haven't seen since 2018. Shasky, like it's it's so bad. Like here are the the, the second half numbers that the Giants had in 2018. They hit 219, 272 uh, on base with so a 326 slugging. That's good for a 598 OPS, which is that's pretty bad. That's the second half of 2018. So far in the second half of this year, the Giants are hitting 214 with a 291 on base, a 335 uh, slugging, which is good for a 625 OPS and 39 home runs. So slightly better power numbers, but these are still 2018 numbers that we're seeing the Giants put up here in the year. Let me check my notes. Uh, 2023. They haven't had a 30 home run guy in so long since Bonds. It, it's, yeah. I mean, Sam, I'm, I'm, I'm lost on the adjective to describe this team. Like, Let's just I, go I, bad. Why complicated? <laughs> well, let me ask you a simple equation. Like, who do you expect to be hitting in this lineup? I mean, if I had to be like, you know, the line I use is, oh, here comes the thump. Uh, basically, I, don't, I guess if I see Patrick Bailey do up next inning, I'm like, all right, He's all right. Historically mediocre hitter in the minor leagues. Like I don't know. That's how bad things are. We're looking at a guy like Patrick Bailey, who it has felt like found money at times exactly. this year in terms of just what he is doing offensively. Defensively, I don't think he's surprising anybody. Oh. Um, he seems like a much smarter hitter, a much more uh, polished hitter at the plate that I think we were anticipating. I, I, I'm not saying he's going to you know hit like Joe Maurer or Buster Posey ever did, but I mean, I'm not like thinking, oh, well, this is a total mirage with Patrick Bailey. But Patrick Bailey is also not a guy where it's just like if you're looking at a lineup and you're thinking, all right, Patrick Bailey's coming up next. Here's the thump. That's not a very good lineup. That's no disrespect to Patrick Bailey. He's been had a great year. He's, I think, a great part of this Giants future. But I think it goes to what you're saying, Shasky, is just this is where this is how dismal things are at right now with this Giants lineup. So you're asking a rookie who's never hit even near 300 in his any of his full seasons in minor leagues. 
to carry this team offensively at the big league level. Like, I, and I'm not ripping you. I'm saying, like, that's basically where we're at. I mean, it, it would seem a lot crazy if we hadn't already done that before with Buster Posey, but I, I want to stay away from Buster Posey comp. So, yeah, continue. But even that year, like 2010, yes, Buster Posey was awesome. They had Pat Burrell. They had Andres mm-hmm. Torres. Um, you know, they had Juan Uribe. They had Aubrey Huff, all having career years. Yeah. Career years, not good years, career years. And they had an elite pitching staff, right? Yeah. None of those things qualify right no, now. No, guys don't have any of those things. They got the catcher. They have literally nothing else, though, a part of this team. I want to ask you so, – so what I really want to get into here is you you brought something up on the show today. Uh, recording this on, by the way, on Tuesday, September 5th. Uh, most of you will probably be listening to this episode on Wednesday, September 6th, because that's when I'll be releasing it. Um, but you said something on the show this morning. Uh, you said it's, this feels like the end. Not like the end of the season, but like it feels like the like we're seeing the last days of this Farhan Zaidi, Gabe Kapler regime. I kind of want to dive into that because it, it does kind of feel like there, there doesn't feel like a run it back feel or anything like that going around this team right now. I want to kind of want pick you on pick your brain a little bit more on that. When you say this feels like the end, kind of kind of just describe that for me. What yeah. is this end feeling feeling like for you? Well, first of all, I'm seeing a manager who it just feels like to me he's got a little fire under his butt in terms of pressure. It feels mm-hmm. like the, the front office came down and was like, "Yeah, you guys better make the playoffs or else." That that's the feeling I get. And when I mean by front office, I mean Larry Barron ownership. Yeah. Uh, and then I look at the lineups they're trotting out, like DeJong at shortstop. Yeah. Really? Like, we're, we're playing Yastrzemski in right field and Slater in center field and Jock in left field. Why? Like, mm-hmm. what's the point of having Ramos and Matos do anything at AAA? Like, what could either of those guys do at AAA that's going to help them be better big leaguers at this point in their careers? I agree. No, okay. I mean – and then yeah. I look at like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna keep trotting out Wilmer Flores every single day. And God bless Wilmer, he's tried his best. He's got twenty home mm-hmm. runs. He's had a great year. But like, really, really, like really, like JD Davis is just gonna play third base until what? He bats two hundred five. Like he has mm-hmm. precipitously fallen off a map. Why are I we know. Tristan yeah. Beck? two days after he just pitched. Like there's so many questions that I'm having with this team. And it just feels like to me, they've thrown up the white flag and I get the feeling that Farhan and Gabe are now trying to do PR damage in terms of winning as many games as they can. So that when they get thrown to the curb, they can be like, see, we won 84 games with that Giants team at the end because yeah. at the end, people are just going to look at the box score. No, I feel like that's kind of where it's at too. Like normally, I would fight you on this, but yeah, it feels like this, this team just kind of waving the white flag. It feels like they're going through the motions. It felt like that last weekend. You thought maybe it was saved when Tyro Estrada gives a little speech to try to rally guys. Hey, we can play better. And then a week later, it's you know Mike Yastrzemski and Wilmer Flores are having meetings in the office with Gabe Kapler after games because of how bad things are. Yeah, it does feel like they're just they're going through the motions, playing out the string, and seeing what they could do to enhance the resume. I would love to – don't go wrong. I would love to see the Giants make the playoffs. I absolutely would. I want it more than anything because I think making the playoffs is, is a good thing. But at the same time, like, if this team makes the playoffs, what is that, what does that mean in the future? It's almost like, like if, if, you're, if you're a parent and you have a kid that won't eat their vegetables, you're not going to give them dessert. The no. Giants making the playoffs with this roster, playing baseball this way, even if it's like that fifth or sixth wildcard spot – that feels like giving your kid uh, ice cream for dessert, even though they didn't eat their vegetables for dinner. Like you're rewarding bad behavior. And the last thing I want to see is a season where 
the Giants look around. It's like, well, heck, we won 85 games playing this way, made the playoffs. Clearly, we're doing something right. No, you're not doing anything right. I'm throwing my hat off because, no, you're not doing anything right. Like, that's where we're at right now. I just I, I'm not rooting against this team, but like, come on, this team needs to seriously have a wake up and smell the coffee moment and understand what we're doing right now just isn't working. What is working? I honestly do not know. The only thing I could say is working is again, you go back to Patrick Bailey, Camille Duvall, I think does well. And he comes in Logan Webb. I mean, you're, you're looking at individual guys and like no actual strategy is working. And it's at a point where it's just like, there really is no defending it. And that's, I want to play something that, that Dave Fleming said on the show this morning that I thought really captured the mood around how we feel about this team right now. There's no defending the results. There isn't like there. And if, if at the end of this year, there aren't massive questions about why that is and frankly changes to what they're doing, then you will be perfectly within your right to ask some tough questions and be unhappy about it because you can't have a year like this offensively and not rethink what you're doing because it's it just nothing has worked. I think Fleming has said it best, but you cannot defend what's happened this year. There's been some pluses here and there that you can be like, oh, I feel good about that. But overall, like if my original goal this year is I need to feel better about this team at the end of the year than the beginning. Right now, the Giants are failing that goal because I just do not feel better. And so I guess, you know, Fleming mentioned, you know, you have to ask some real difficult questions this offseason, Shasky. Let's, so let's assume that one of those tough questions is not should Farhan come back. Let's just pretend that that answer is yes for okay. this conversation. I, what, else is, what else do you really ask yourself? It, is any of this salvageable at this point? Like, does, this re, does, does it feel like this regime can maybe turn the ship around and salvage this? Or are we just counting down the days till the notification pops up? Giants have dismissed Farhan and Kapler. I just have a feeling that they've lost their own fan base. I've never seen a fan base reject a mediocre brand of sports like this. It's funny. Like when the Niners had Chip Kelly or Jim Tom Sula, we clearly rejected that as a fan base. Mm -hmm. right? But imagine if they had went like seven and nine, because that's what it feels like with the Giants. They're like eight and eight, seven and nine. That would be the equivalent. Like it's almost – it's almost like the end of the Singletary era, where it was like, we're just, we're exhausted. We're give us something better. Yeah. Mediocre. No, I think that's a good way. I think losing the fan base is a good way to look at it because at this point, yeah, I really feel like the Giants have come out and win another 100 games next year, and everyone's yes. like, okay, cool. You, we, we've seen this one already. Like, we already know what you're going to do. You're going to say that you're smart. You're going to do absolutely nothing to fix it, and then we're going to be right back where we are again. Exactly. And now we're talking about, oh, they're going to go and spend money on Cody Bellinger this year. It's like you said you're going to spend money last year. Like, we're not – we're fans are sick and tired of falling for the banana in this tailpipe yes. right here. And really, yeah, Bay Area fans, I think you have a very good reason to be upset about this. The Bay Area sports history is – full of you know i mean let me backtrack here really quick like you you always say you never want to be the guy who follows the guy the barrier though has a pretty good tradition of guys following guys whether it's flores following up madden with the raiders from the 70s into the 80s uh with the niners you had bill walsh led to george seifert and then steve mariucci who both found success in their own special way um you know even Deal with the with with the Sharks. You had Tom McClellan didn't win anything, but he had the, probably the most successful era in Sharks history. Feeds into Pete DeBoer, who then takes him to a Stanley Cup. It, it, even the A's with Tony Larusa going into Art Howe had their fair share of success. For the most part, you know teams have been able to 
you know, follow up a successful coach with another coach to bring success. Now, of course, I didn't mention the Warriors there because whoever follows up Steve Kerr is going to have one of the worst tasks ever. You thought following up Bochi was bad. But yeah, <laughs> for the most part, though, the Giants have somehow become the first barrier team to not be able to follow up a legendary coach with another good coach. And that right there is because like, yeah, you have every right to be frustrated with how the Giants have handled the post Bochi years. And I almost kind of wonder, Shasky, was it always just, just doomed to be like this? coming out of such a, an amazing run with Bochi and Sabian, was there just no way they could possibly live up to it? And we were, it was just kind of always destined to end up in the situation? Or is that kind of being maybe too overdramatic about it? Um, I don't know. I don't really know what to expect here. Like when it comes to that, like, yes, they, were, were they ever going to replicate, you know, three and five years? No, probably yeah. not. But like, I thought it would be better than this. And I think yeah. the thing that, that's the most frustrating is that they've tried to sell me on it is better than you think it is. And my brain is saying, no, it's not. And yeah. my heart is saying, no, it's not. And what you're doing is trying out a bunch of journeymen that I just don't care about. Yeah. Like, I feel like 2021, you'd be like, it's better than, think, than you think it is. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm definitely seeing that. 2022, it's like there was a glitch in the system. Don't worry. Yeah. It's a one-off. But what this year is basically done is say, like, no, 2021 might have been the one-off. And last year might be more par for the course because again, it's just, it feels exactly like 2022 or exactly like 2018. And again, I bring it back to 2018 because that second half of 2018 punctuated by one of the worst Septembers ever. Again, like that's what led to the firing of, of Sabian and Evans and the giants are already putting up second half of 2021, 2018 numbers. Sorry. And there's still a month of this season left. So they could easily make these numbers look way, way worse than they are right now. Maybe they could make it better, obviously. I mean, A.J. Pollock's gone, so anything is possible. But, uh, yeah, it just you, – you put up a poll the other day. Do the Giants feel like they're better, worse, or in the same spot as they were in 2018? I voted same spot. Like, this feels like exact, like we're back to start again. You know, we've, we've circled the board. We're back at go, but we're not collecting 200. And, like, this is not what Farhan was brought here for. We've said it. Farhan was supposed to be a new era – and basically, he's got us right back to start. And it's like, well, you know what? I, sure, the farm system's a little bit better now than it was in 2018. But that just makes the job more attractive for whoever we replace Farhan with at this point. I mean, it's just it's so sad how far they've fallen, isn't it? Yeah. I, it, I, mean, I, I expected so much more. And I just I don't know, man. I, I almost feel exhausted by the whole thing because I do see some level of getting better at the minor league level, but it's like, stick with those guys. Like, what are it's, you afraid of? But it's like, it's marginal. Like you're seeing, it's like, it's like the Dodgers are going out and like, they're adding, you know, like $5,000 making like $5,000 a month. And you're thinking you're making it big, making, you know, $50 a month. It's just it, the, the, the incremental increases in, in performance just aren't enough to keep mm -hmm. up with the teams that they need to be competing with. So yeah. you are listening to the uh, Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Sam Lubbin and Joe Shasky coming at you every week with all your best Giants content. Whether the Giants are good or bad, we will be here. Rain, sleet, shine. Uh, make sure to like, sub share, subscribe, share. I said share already. Uh, there's a lot of things you got to do with this podcast. All part of the Odyssey Sports Network here at 95.7 The Game. So Shasky, I'm glad you kind of talked about just you mentioned just kind of how you feel exhausted by all of this and you just, you don't know what to expect because I want to use this segment to kind of point our finger at a group of people that I feel like we don't point our fingers at enough. Note how I said group. And uh, that is the giants ownership group. And, you know, we, we always talk about, you know, why don't the giants get the same coverage as like say the warriors or the Niners. And 
my question about the Giants ownership is it's like, do do they hold the Giants to a standard that fans would be proud of? So, for example, you look at Joe Lacob. You know what Joe Lacob wants the Warriors to do every year. He wants to win championships. And when Joe Lacob does not get a championship, he will do things to change that so that he can get a championship. Blow a three-run lead, three-one lead. All right, we're gonna bring in Kevin Durant. Lose to the finals to Toronto. Okay, where you get D'Angelo Russell flipping for Andrew Wiggins. Lose to the Lakers in the second round. All right, we're gonna bring in Chris Paul. The the standard is clear: either win or heads will roll. Jed York, kind of the same thing. You know, we all laughed at him when we said we only hang championship banners. Since then, though, I mean, that is the standard. The Niners, they want to hang championship banners. What is everything about this season? That quest for six. Why are Niner fans so high strung right now? Because Nick Bosa is a big part of that. Yeah. And it feels like that Nick Bosa is preventing the Niners from getting to that, 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 that standard. Have you ever felt like the Giants ownership group, even when they were winning championships, you know, back at the beginning of the last decade, did you ever feel like the Giants ownership group put even anywhere close to that kind of expectation level on the Giants? No. No, it always felt like we're waiting our turn. We're waiting our turn. Yes. We're going to be fiscally responsible, and we're not going to trade any of our prospects because down the road, that's when we're going to strike while the iron's hot. And I'm like, well, I've been waiting for this lasagna to be finished. <laughs> and and meanwhile, like, it's still cooking in the oven. And I don't even know if the lasagna tastes good. And, and look, the way I view things is like, give me a little piece of the lasagna. Let me sample it. All right, that's pretty good. I can live with that. But here's the part they don't understand. The lasagna is not going to be just right when you go to pull it out. You got to pull it out and then let it sit for a little while. And mm-hmm. then it gets better. And you know when lasagna is even better? The next day. And the day <laughs> after that. Because that's what makes lasagna so delicious. The sustainability. Everything to be perfect. Like, dog, this is not Goldilocks. Swing big. What is the most bold thing that they've done? No. And, I mean, it's just it's even just I mean, here's the thing. I was talking to John Dickinson a couple weeks ago. He had a great line. The boldest move you make can't be the move you didn't make. Exactly. And that's kind of where the Giants are at. I mean, you can say the boldest move they didn't make was maybe, you know, either not bring it back. It was probably not bringing back Carlos Rodon. That was probably the boldest move they made and how well that's worked out for them. But, like, how many wins is that translating to in the standings? It's not. Okay, maybe it's not adding losses, but it's not adding wins either. And that just seems like the perpetual, like, it's almost like, the ownership standard is just like, just don't suck. Yes. You know, whereas most owners, like I want you to win the giants. It's, it's just don't suck. And I, I swear, like I, I talk to those my friends all the time. I swear to God, Larry bear, his number one goal every year is I need you to be playing competitive games at the end of September. That's yeah. all I need. After that, everything else is gravy. And this year, yeah, you're going to get that. This is a giants team that is going to be playing competitive games in September. There is a very good chance that when the Dodgers come here, that last weekend of the year, that, you know, October 1st, the Giants could very well be playing for a playoff spot. And if you're a Giants, if you're in the part of that Giants ownership group, you can ignore the context around what you're doing to play for that playoff mm-hmm. spot. All you want, you can ignore the numbers, you can ignore how you got from A to B, because all that matters is you got to point B. And if you're an owner, you're okay with that. And if you're a fan of the Giants, that should absolutely disgust you. Like the fans should not have higher expectations for success than the owners. And I feel like that's what Giants fans have. No, that's a great point. And 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 that kind of disgusts me when the way you say it like that. And I know it may not be that egregious, but I mean, God, really, that's where we're at. 
Yeah, it's it just we're, we're okay with, you know, a, a few marketable guys in 84 win season. Well, hey, we had a cool moment. Remember that Yastrzemski walk-off home run, which, again, those are cool moments. But you know it was a really cool moment? That Travis Shikawa walk-off yeah. home run to clinch a pennant. You know what else yes. is pretty cool? That time when Buster Posey caught strike three from Sergio Romo blowing by a triple crown winner. That was yes. pretty cool, too. Maybe make that the expectation. Like Exactly. Carlos Rodon, he went to New York because the fans boo you there if you if you're not bad if you're not good enough. I mean, I don't know what should Giants fans maybe adopt a more of a, a Yankee fan ish kind of mentality? Do we want to see a, an ownership kind of take on that Steinbrenner, the the George Steinbrenner mentality of if you're not gonna you know provide me a win right now, then I'm gonna find someone who will. Is that kind I mean, of what we should be wanting if we're the Giants? I mean, I don't know why not. And you say, oh, you're not the Yankees, but like. We're also not the, you know, the Diamondbacks. Yeah, and, we're not know, the like, Guardians not, or the Twins. Like, fans. like Sam, you've been a Giants fan your whole life. I've never seen Giants fans more angry and simultaneously apathetic to the team. No, and we've seen some really bad baseball, too. Like, I remember, I mean, this is probably the angriest I've seen this fan base since maybe 2008. And I think with good cause there, because in 2008, this team seemed incredible incredibly lost yes. and you had no hitting you had two pitchers who you were excited about but you weren't you know you needed to give them run support so that was always kind of a bummer right there but yeah I mean fans were incredibly angry fans wanted Bochi gone because they thought he was a veteran guy they didn't think Sabian had any sort of clue on how to build out of the bonds era but then again if you're Giants ownership what you're saying is well things were bad back then what happened two years later and no that is not the case here like, that's simply just not the case. Like, you can't say, well, you know, it's been bad before and got better. Yes. In all honesty, it will get better at some point. But with the current thinking right now, I it's just the way the, op, the Giants operate right now, I just don't see it happening. It's almost like the way that Sabian, Evans, and Bochi won with this ownership group. I mean, I give Bill Newcomb a lot of credit, too. He was the yes. kind of the guy in charge back then. But it's almost like Giants ownership has become just as big of an obstacle as, you know, the rest of Major League Baseball in terms of because I just feel like when you have an apathetic ownership that isn't going to be super hardcore on trying to get you to win, then they're going to be okay with seasons like this. They're going to be okay with having starless teams because, you know, we can find other ways to market things or because we're playing, you know, competitive games here into the end of September. Like when you set low benchmarks it's very easy to attain those benchmarks and be like, well, we're hitting all of our benchmarks. We're hitting all of our goals. Things are hunky dory. We're making lots of money. Look at mission rock. And like, that's great for you and your pocketbook, Larry, but that does nothing for me as a fan. Yes, and I agree. Me, like, when you talk about apathy, this is why I kind of still subscribe to the whole, you should be able to win as you kind of rebuild thing. Because like, I want to go to the ballpark with at least the belief that I'm going to see a win. Like right now I have that. But like you got to give fans more. You got to give fans more of a reason to care. And when you're saying stuff like, "Oh, the fans' light bulb just hasn't gone off," but we're still gonna be playing competitive games. We're gonna have a rainy day fund and spend money on Cody Bellinger. Like we know you're full of it. Like we've been watching this team for long enough to know that you are full of it. And it's just, I really have a hard time unless someone is just incredibly smart and knows how to build baseball teams in a way that no one's ever seen before. I really have a hard time believing that the giants could build a consistent winning baseball team with the current ownership group, because well, ever since this. is this a desirable place for people who do have the capability to get things done? I think so. I think there's a lot. I mean, right down the street, you got a guy in Joe Lacob has shown like he's pretty much I'm wrote the, about just the giants brand in general. Is that a place where people would want to work? I think so, because the Giants are still one of the premier franchises in baseball. No one has won more games in baseball history than the Why Giants. Why are we settling for mediocrity? 
I don't understand it either. No, I'm with you. I think the Giants could absolutely we run be, like we're the Rockies. They, they, the Giants could absolutely operate like they're the Dodgers or the Yankees. Maybe there's a sense of just like, because again, we're West Coasters out here. We love kind of our West Coast easygoing vibe. We don't want to be high strung like those people on the East Coast. I get that, but like, let the fans act that way. I want, I, this is why I say, I would love like a Larry Ellison to own the Giants. Just some psychopath nutjob billionaire who's going to come in and just attach his entire self-worth to whether or not the team wins or not. Give me one of those. Like I've been watching Winning Time on HBO Max. And like, again, for however accurate that show is, the way they portray Jerry Buss in that show is he's just like, I'm just here to win. I'm here to win at all costs. Like, that's what I want. If you're not going to win, then I'm going to find someone who will. Well, I honestly like don't want to win their way. Yeah. If you want to win your way, you know what? If your way isn't working, you got to find a new way. And here's that's the thing. If you want to win your way, then you better be smarter than everyone. And they're not. They're not the Tampa Bay no. Rays. They're just not. No, they're not. Even the Rays, I think there's flaws in their plan. A, mo- a month ago, I probably would have written a blank check for the Rays front office. Still might over this one, though. You know what? You know what the – you know what the – uh, this year, the, the Seattle Mariners had a struggling Julio Rodriguez, who was a phenom last year. Mm-hmm. Do you think he would have been allowed to struggle that much with the Giants and continue to play every day? Well, I'm going to go off of our own young phenom and Marco Luciano, and no, probably not, based on okay, what, what about Ellie De La Cruz right now? And by the way, he had one of the greatest months ever, Julio Rodriguez, recently. What, yeah. what about Ellie De La Cruz? He's a different player, not as yeah. good uh, in his rookie year as Julio was. But he's been struggling this year. Yeah. Ask Red fans. Do oh, they no. sit down? No. But the Giants' way of doing things, they'd be like, well, we do have Dijon who can go out there and play shortstop and be slightly more comparable, that uh, slightly more competent than than Elliot De Cruz. No, it's the long play. You got to take your bumps and bruises to, to cash in on the big upside reward. And they're unwilling to do that. They have no. been unwilling to lose games with young players. Meanwhile, I'm watching them lose games with mediocre veterans who stink. Mm. Fifth, Jock is a fourth or fifth outfielder. Yaz is a fourth or fifth outfielder. Slater is a fourth or fifth outfielder. Yet you're shoving them down my throat like they're the greatest pitch hitting guy of all time in Austin Slater. Get out of here. Like, get out of here. Yeah, no, I think that's a very good point. And yeah, it's just like uh, losing with Luis Matos would feel better than Luis losing with Mike Yastrzemski. And this is where, again, I would put it on ownership. Like, you guys set the standard. This ownership group sets the standard. Put more pressure on this front office or, or I mean, like Jed said it best, you don't replace owners. And it's just, and that's the most frustrating part. If ownership really is the problem, you're just, you're, you're either waiting for a sell, which is probably not going to happen, or you're just going to wait for their own light bulb to go off. And because, and, and they realize we need to do things differently. Say it's impossible all you want. I want to stop you there. Yeah. This cannot be profitable for ownership. Like at least, at least the A's make this argument of like, well, we're not making any money. And so we got to taper down the payroll. Well, at least they bring up young players and they give them an opportunity to be an estuary Ruiz. Yeah. Still 60 bags, right? The yeah. Giants never allow themselves to bottom out. And, and then they try to like claim like, well, there's nobility in being competitive. No, that's called stupid money. And then you claim that you don't make enough money. I'd rather you just bite the bullet for two years and not spend a gosh darn dime than to watch Jock Peterson at $20 million a year fumble around with balls against the Ivy in Chicago. Like, seriously. Well, the the thing is – Mitch Hanniger has 40 hits this year. Yeah. No, it's just – the thing is, it's like – there's a good point to be made there. Like, the nobility and competing thing makes sense. When you have a guy to go up and at least care about, 
There's just no one in this. Like the reason you we, we would be okay, not okay, but at least we would be more tolerable of 71 seasons in the past is because at least we'd be able to see like, you know, a William McCovey or a Jack Clark or a Will Clark or a Barry Bonds in the middle of that lineup. But I'm not going to go watch an 84-win team. Well, I mean, I'm going to go watch, but most fans aren't going to go watch an 84-win team when the star attraction in that lineup is Patrick Bailey. And that's no disrespect to Bailey, but it's just this is the reality of how fans consume this game. Maybe in a year or two from now, Bailey can be that guy, but that's going to be the next manager and general manager's problem at that point. You are listening to the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Sam Lumman and Joe Shasky coming at you every week. Make sure you're liking, sharing, subscribing, reviewing this podcast. Tell everybody about this podcast. Listen to this podcast twice. We could certainly use the numbers. All part of the Odyssey Sports Network here at 95.7 The Game. I think this will be a fun little segment to end this episode on, Shasky. There was some very un- just sad news that I saw come across my timeline uh, yesterday. Legendary giant and two-time World Series champion Brandon Belt might be retiring after this season, Shasky. Oh, I know. I'll take you a minute to really digest this. But this also comes at the uh, same time that Brandon Crawford was asked about retirement. The thought's kind of crossing his mind as well. And Shasky, I feel like I'm just going to throw this theory at you. I feel like an underlying emotion that's kind of really impacting Giants fans this year, and this is why I bring up the retirements of the Brandons, is that this season's kind of taking place amidst a backdrop of where those final embers of the dynasty are kind of fully extinguished now, and it feels like those, those good memories are truly now faded completely into the past. I mean, consider, you know, Bruce Bochy's on the Rangers now, which... Still weird. Uh, Buster Posey basically has a desk job. Uh, Madison Bumgarner's at home waiting for a phone call that's never going to come. Uh, Pablo's showing up to reunions now. You know, we got Belt in Toronto and Crawford's were in his final days here. And then we're seeing the struggle going on with the current team while at the same time, those mem- those good memories we had are really kind of f- being faded into the-, the stone of the past, so to speak. I feel like, I don't know, does that kind of just kind of add to just kind of the, the melancholic feel that might be going around Giants fans? Not that that right now is so bad, mixed with the last shreds of good memories we had are finally disappearing for good right now. Well, Crawford's different for me than Belt. I have more emotional, me, I have mm. more emotional attachment to Crawford than Belt. I mean, Belt, give me a break. The guy has, he's played more games this year than he has in the last five years. You want to know what's funny? You want to know how many stat categories he would lead this Giants team in? Probably a lot. Quite a few. He would lead this team in OPS by a wide margin. He would be second in home runs behind uh, Wilmer Flores. Second in walks. Yeah, uh, his on-base percentage would lead the team. His slugging would be second behind Flores. This team could probably use Brandon Belt. <laughs> yeah, but Flores wouldn't be playing. Like, that, this is the part where people got to understand, like, again, we're not missing anything with Brandon Belt. Like, the, trust yeah. me, we're missing the, the guys on pace to strike out 160 times again this year. Yeah, so he I, would I, be second on this team in strikeouts. Exactly. Like, give me a break. Like, he's played 96 games. He will uh, eclipse the most games he's played in five years. Congratulations. He still won't hit 30 home runs. He still won't drive in 100 RBIs. Like, a flawed player. Again, another example, overrating our own. It's, it's, I feel like it's the same conversation, <laughs> different degrees of it, where Brandon Bell is a good, not great player, but we clung on to him way longer than we need to. They could have moved off him five years ago. They have missed a beat. Oh, well, yeah, but again, that's what – and this is where the whole Brandon Bell thing comes. It's like when fans – this is the emotional attachment that fans have to guys like Brandon. Yeah, the Giants, we do have a history of elevating our own. I mean, heck, in 2018, we're talking about how Gorky Hernandez was a great player. 
Like that's how bad things used to be once upon a time. And again, Wilmer Flores is having a great play is having a great season. I I've bashed Wilmer in the past. The reason I bash Wilmer is because I think Wilmer Flores has basically become the poster child of Giants fans desire to elevate players who have some sort of cute emotional quirk. He watches friends to this higher status and we put them on this pedestal and it's like Wilmer Flores having a fine year, but he's not this like, thank God for Wilmer Flores type player that we're basically casting him as right now. But I don't know. It's just me. Not myself. one player in their everyday lineup, one player who maybe could be an all-star in the next couple of years. Again, I mean, if you're, if you're eliminating like rookies, cause I think Patrick Bailey is probably your best bet to be oh, an so all-star start over, over Will Smith. In the in the play yeah. in the no, I mean, I think like I mean, I, I don't know. This team could maybe crank out an all star too. I mean, again, like we said last week, I think they're closer to getting an all outfield all star in Luis Matos than they've ever been. I think Patrick Bailey has all star potential. Ahead of Slater because they're obsessed with playing Slater. Yeah. Well, they I know, but in, in the lineup because they're obsessed with playing Yastrzemski. That's the problem. I know, That's but this is problem. operating under the theory that next year's manager and general manager are going to be, you know, operating this team slightly different than the current regime. Um, once they announce those extensions, though, holy snot, that's going to be not fun day for for Giants fans. But I don't know. I just when I saw the news about Brandon Bell, kind of bring it back to that. It just it really kind of hit home again. I know a lot of fans are divided on Bell, but. Seeing this last month, knowing that the last, you know, vestiges of the Giants championship era are going to be gone. Shasky, when the Brandons retire this year, there's going to be only two players in baseball that are active now who have World Series championship rings with the Giants names on. Do you want to take a gander at who they might be? Uh, no. Who, who, who All right. Well, one of them is Matt Duffy, who's, you know, playing Royals. better baseball than half this roster is right now with the Royals. And the other is Adam Duvall who uh, had like 15 at-bats or something for the 2014 Giants. I mean, that's just that's just how distant it is right now. And I don't know, just for me, like seeing where things are now versus where things used to be, it just, it really drives home at just how the heck did we get here kind of feeling that... He's still living off the prior regime because Camilo yeah. Duvall, Luciano, and Logan Webb are all uh, Bobby Evans guys. Like mm-hmm. they're still living off of it. The only guy that you can point to who's been great that they drafted is Bailey. Yeah. The only guy that I can point to, like, man, what a great acquisition. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But that's about it. Oh, 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 Lamont Wade. Boy, that's a great story that faded quickly. J.D. Davis. Yeah. Was oh, a great story. Great faded story. quickly. What? Yeah. No, great story again that faded quickly. And that's kind of where we're at now with this regime. It's just like for as – faulty or for as flawed as maybe the last regime might have been at times like they got guys who had some staying power you're just not seeing that one out with this they have a bunch of guys who no one's seen for more than three weeks for a reason Mm. jd davis is not a starter for a reason well jr is not a starter for a reason the twins have been wildly more successful in the last six years than the giants undebatable yeah and yet yet we're smarter than them when it comes to lamont wade probably not you know, yeah. Tyro Strada. Well, that was a nice find. I like Tyro. He's had a even, tough even that one's starting to fade back to earth now. Like exactly. a lot of guys, you know, Alex Dickerson was the first one. Remember when Dickerson was like the centerpiece of this, you know, the, the, the lineup's offensive firepower. I don't think Dickerson ever hit double digit home runs. You know, we saw with Donovan Solano before we called Donnie barrels. We loved him. Anyone missing Donovan Solano this year? Like, no. yeah, it's just, it does kind of go into the, just, 
contrasting where things were versus where they are now is just it's absolutely disheartening and depressing and it's why fans i think are just so sick of thing like it, it are just so sick of this regime right now because they're you know we're basically yeah if you're a giants fan you have to ride on the memories of that last regime otherwise you're gonna go crazy or you're just gonna watch the 49ers starting this week um before we get out of here shasky um there's a lot of negativity around the giants right now and so i wanted to, us to finish on something positive something okay. that we can kind of go out of this episode with a smile on our face and give you know something to bark about something to cheer about um so i did a little digging and i found apps there we go. So I did a little digging and I found absolutely nothing that I could be positive about. So um, here's what I'm going to finish off with. Uh, open-ended question. What's something positive? You can't say Logan Webb. You can't say Camille Duvall and you can't say Patrick Bailey. What's something positive you're going to desperately cling to for the last month of this season and hope that it can give you a shred of dopamine when you watch Giants baseball? I hope to never see the City Connect jerseys ever again after this month. Ah, oh, well, you might be out of luck on that. As, as he, you say to the guy wearing his City Connect hat. I mean, everybody rocked the 1980s and uh, early 90s gear, Giants gear. I call the curvy letter Giants attitude. Yeah. That has been really cool. And I'm going to cling to that because I do think I saw a lot of Giants fans in Chicago. Giants fans care. They, they care do. a lot. And I don't think that we're happy. And I hope that their voice is heard. That's what I'm going to cling to. Yeah. Two positives. I'm going to, well, two positives. Yeah. That I'm going to desperately cling to is uh, one is just watching Ryan Walker pitch. Okay. Um, you know, I've been enjoying him a lot. I hope he keeps going. I, I, I like knowing that we have a deep bullpen. I like the fact that he could be a part of it. And I love seeing more guys from the system come up and contribute. The other positive I'm going to desperately cling to is I'm going to watch a lot of Wade Meckler at bats. Like that's going to be like my, oh, okay, Wade Meckler's up. I'm going to lean forward okay. here. Do I expect him to be an all-star? Absolutely not. Is he the, the future star this team needs? I don't think so at all. But he's a guy who just... I don't know. I, li I like the swing. Seems like he's got a good approach. And honestly, it's just... He's an interesting story. He's hit at every level. I want to see what the guy could do. And honestly, if you have a mustache like that, like, dude, you better hit. So I'm excited to see him because it's something new, fresh, exciting from the farm system. So that's what I'm going to cling to. I'd be curious to see what Giants fans are going to try and cling to in this last month here for any sort of uh, positivity because uh, it's going to be very, very difficult. So maybe we'll see the young guys more this month. Dave Fleming has said now two weeks in a row that we're going to be seeing more young guys soon. So it's got to happen at some point. Um, but until then, you know, we'll just uh, bang our heads against the wall and bark at the moon. So anyway, uh, your dog wants us to get out of here. So let's do that. This is uh, Sam Lovin along with Joe Shasky. This has been episode 74 of the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. We'll be back next week to talk about so much more great Giants baseball. Be and, ugh, until then, we'll catch you on the next one. <laughs>